switched on hello claire <laughs> uh, do you know it's our christmas edition welcome to talking flutes everybody i've i've nicked it <laughs> hello, hello it's jean paul here hello claire hello and how many christmas editions have we done i think this is our seventh gosh that's a bit scary isn't it it is really scary and yes it's, it's an early one this year because christmas day falls on a monday talking flutes won't be going out on a christmas day because You'll have better things to do, and so will I. Yeah. So we're a week early on the 19th. So whenever you're listening to this, this was recorded, actually it was recorded at the end of November, but we're not telling anybody. <laughs> happy, well, can I say happy Christmas, even though it's not Christmas? It is Christmas. Happy Christmas, everyone. Happy Christmas, everybody. Have you got your tree up yet? No, uh, I think we spoke about this last time. I have, uh, my good lady uh, doesn't like the tree to go up till nearer the date and I'm, you're the same. And yeah. yeah, I look with envy at our friends across the pond who put their tree up, obviously Thanksgiving, and it's up for about six weeks. And they can get the Christmas tingle in the festive spirit. No, no it's far too early. I, I put mine up about two weeks before. Yeah, it, and I take it all down on New Year's Eve. You know, I love the excitement of it all, um, putting the tree up, putting the decorations up. Yeah, I don't do that, you see. All my kids, my grown-up kids, they, they come all the way home just to put a few baubles and lights on a tree. Oh, how lovely. And to drink mulled wine. Oh, really? They don't bother coming home the rest of the year. They just oh, come, come home on. for... <laughs> yeah, they only come home when they want something, yeah. So, yeah, Christmas. Christmas, it's, 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 it's a lovely time, and I do appreciate to some it's not. But for musicians, it's... Uh, it's, all, it was all, it's always been a, an odd one for me because not knowing whether I should take a break. <laughs> Hello there. I think he wants to go out, out into the garden. It, it's, that, it's that mental side of it, isn't it? Am I missing something? It's like when I wake up in the morning and my lips are split and I know I'm gonna, my sound is going to sound like an old car tyre and I'm going to sound rubbish for weeks. What do you do at Christmas? Do you practice or do you just say, do you know what, I'm going to treat myself? <laughs> well, it depends who you are, really, doesn't it? I mean, um, I always had to keep the practice going. Uh, I'm, I would take a couple of days off, but, but it all depended on the schedule, you know, what was coming up. I think maybe you have to think more, if you're a professional or a student wanting to be a professional, I mean, by the time you're a student, you're professional, Think about what it means to be a professional. So if you're an elite sports person, then Christmas doesn't interfere with training. And it's the same with us. That's true, yeah. It's, it can't interfere. You have to sort of fit it in. You know, when I was a student, we only had two weeks off. And by January the 2nd, we were back, back at college. And there were always auditions for orchestral places for the rest of that term. So unless you were on form, you'd miss out on all the orchestral playing for the whole term. Would you miss anything? Would you miss the form being on form by having a day or two off? No, not a day or two. But if you had two weeks off, yes. Oh no, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I'm talking about the the day, the Christmas Eve, oh, the oh, Christmas Day when the glue vine and the mold wine and the mince pies. Yeah, Boxing Day. Yeah, absolutely. We've we've talked before about how to organise practice, 
And I remember for years feeling really guilty if I wasn't practicing. And I, I worked out that if I planned my practice days, I could give myself time off where I wouldn't feel guilty. So for example, it could be every Wednesday afternoon, I'm taking off and I'm going to go shopping or walk around the park mm -hmm. or something. And I can do that because I've organised my, my schedule for the rest of the week. And it's like a job, you know, you, you get up, you brush your teeth, you, you practice. So you might practice 9 to 12, take time off, practice 2 to 4, time off, maybe practice a bit more in the evening. It depends on where you are in terms of your career and your development. Yeah, I think with me it was more, I would just get excited at Christmas. And there's always smells, isn't there? And you go out and there's lights, and certainly London in, yeah, at Christmas is just beautiful because there's lights everywhere. Yeah, it's lovely. And, and, and that is... But I used to find that's quite inspirational to practice because it was always such a happy time. Yeah. So you can actually use it to your advantage, knowing that you're going to stop for two or three days over the Christmas period. But I said, it all depends on the, on the schedule. I mean, I, I also remember having orchestral auditions like professional orchestral auditions that would come just after Christmas before New Year. Oh, gosh. Because it would be a quiet time for the orchestra. That so, dead week between Christmas and New Year. Yeah, I remember, doing, I remember doing one. I remember having the flu and going in and doing an audition and not knowing how I got through it. I think it's, if we're, all, we're all different. If you're wanting to be a professional and working towards that, a student at college, then you can't afford to take too much time off. You've got to keep your playing going. You've got to keep in practice. But just set yourself a schedule and work to it. What are the strangest or funniest Christmas gigs you've done over the years? <laughs> well, I had to really think about this. I found it quite hard. There are two episodes that I can remember. One was arriving at a town hall, and um, I won't say which one, and it was for a chamber music Christmas concert, very close to Christmas. And we arrived in the afternoon, ready to rehearse. We found a very dark hall, no decorations. And this was three hours before the concert. It was, like, it was just like a, a horrible stage, all, all dark brown and, mm -hmm. and nothing else. So we abandoned any idea of rehearsal. And we went into town and we bought up the cheapest decorations we could find, even a small fake tree. And then we spent our time decorating the stage. <laughs> I mean, for the gig it was it had to be done I mean, it was called a christmas concert so we'd be there dressed up in our finery playing lovely christmas music amongst other things and the stage was just dull as anything and they just hadn't thought through they'd advertised it as a christmas concert mm -hmm. but hadn't thought it through so that was one and there was another time up north arrived at another village hall for a flute and piano concert it was after a, a very se severe storm and the roof had fallen in over the piano. So there was no piano. So the concert was cancelled. <laughs> roof had fallen in. <laughs> so they're the only two sort of Christmas time concerts I can remember where it was a bit strange. So I've got a couple of weird ones. Um, yeah. Do you remember Hinge and Bracket? Of course I do. Yeah, the two guys that were women on stage and they used to sing. And they, used to, they were really, really funny. So I was part of a, a group, went on tour with them. And I'm a natural-born giggler. And it was 
It wasn't Dame Evadne Hinge, the pianist, it was the other guy. And at certain points, he would, he'd be singing like this, you know, cat's chorus and all that. And then they'd go, to show that it was a mm. guy. And I'm sort of, I, I can't sit still. If, if, the, if, if I'm in a concert situation, if I'm concentrating, I don't move that much. But yet I sort of, I get sort of, I start moving. Fidget. fidget. I fidget on chairs and things. And the, at this one place, I think it was actually in Bristol at the Colston Hall. And we were right on the edge of the stage. And they'd flipped the, the sort of the band around. And I was right on the edge. And they were doing the Cats Chorus, whatever it was. And I was sort of laughing and giggling. And they used to make the most of the fact that I was, I'd get the giggles. But and getting the giggles, I think I must have moved too much and I actually fell off the stage. Oh actually <laughs> literally tumbled off. Yeah. And do you know they carried on? They just started laughing and carried on. No one give, gave a monkeys if I was okay or not. Were you okay? Well yeah, I'm still here. But <laughs> yeah. So I fell off the stage and that was totally down to me, just being in the moment. Uh, we'd had a few sherbets beforehand, but uh, I can't blame my little mishap on that. But I can blame the mishap on, again, up north, like this was in Manchester, and the two big Christmas trees either side of the stage, yeah. choir, big school, sort of massive, massive school choir, and all lights everywhere, the auditorium full of students. We were coming on at the start. You had to file one way because... To file the other way, you had to go all over these leads and wires, and then you. But you could go that way. So I saw the percussionist going over that way, and I was on the other side of the stage. So I decided to go that way, only discovering after a couple of sort of mishaps that my foot was caught in a wire. I then fell over. The lights went off of the trees, and the main wire that dragged with me because I, I got up and was starting to move. All the wire started coming with me. This was, you know, when the orchestra comes on, only a few minutes before the concert starts. No lights, no tree lights, no sort of audience lights, apart from the big ones. And the light guy running around not knowing where the leads <laughs> went. So this delayed a concert for 10 minutes so that it could actually put the lights on. JP the Destroyer. Yeah, but the great thing was they didn't know it was me because it all happened behind. Ah, did you own up? What, I, I, you know what the brass section are like. You don't need to ask. Like when, you've got a, when you've got a vocal brass section, they sort of make it quite plain who the guilty party was. And being a flute player, crush, you know, no that chance. was no chance. Uh, so we've got a couple of questions, Claire. It's Christmas after all. Right. I am 17 years old and my parents strongly believe that I should apply to study at a music conservatory. I have attended the NFA and Mid-Atlantic Flute events and know where my ability is. My parents think that I'm better than I actually am. What do I do? Yeah. That's not really a Christmas question, is it? So, uh, no, but it's quite an important question, actually. Uh, do you know, I like that. My parents think I, that I'm better than I actually am. Well, all parents think your kids are better. Absolutely. Than, yeah, so that, that's not your parents' fault. Well, I think, I think their assessment of their abilities and the attendance of flutes events is is really commendable then I mean, it's really refreshing to hear someone say i don't think i'm as good as my parents think but it's it's not necessarily objective is it no um and that's the problem you 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 really don't know unless someone 
professional tells you, and now I've got to let Minnie in because she's barking at the door. <laughs> so, John Paul, over to you for a minute. Thing is, do you ever actually know how good you are unless you've got a record contract? Because it's, everything's very subjective. Because Granny will stand up and wave and think you're fantastic, even if you're playing out of tune. It's, it's a very subjective subject, but you have to go with advice of professionals. So I say you've got to book a consultation lesson with a professor at one of the main conservatoires or universities to get their honest opinion. I mean, you can have a few with different people. Find out who are the main teachers within your, your area, the main places. Book a consultation lesson. And that either will confirm your thoughts or your parents' thoughts. But it is hard as a parent not to think that your child is the best at what they do. <laughs> and we both know that. We do. Um, and unfortunately, I went every year I sat on audition panels. And there were so many students thinking they could just walk into college and become professionals without the talent or the ability because the people around them, family, friends, and often school teachers will say, oh, you're absolutely wonderful, that's what you should do. So I would say think about what you would like to do. Sometimes progress happens, well, actually, this is always, progress happens at different times, and it can come a lot later. So if you love music, maybe study music at university. Mm -hmm. And then if you still want to follow a performance path, then do a postgrad specialising in flute performance. But also, but that when you're at university, you can do research into jobs in music. There are zillions of jobs in music. If, if that appeals to you, if that's what you want to do, if you want to spend the rest of your life working in music, there are many avenues. It's not just playing flute, of which is one of the hardest ones to do, and there aren't that many opportunities, and there aren't very many jobs. So maybe you come to the conclusion that you want to keep the flute as a great hobby and follow a different path, either in or not in music. Do you think she's answered her own question by saying, my parents strongly believe that I should study at a music conservatory? Because I would probably say, actually, what do you want to do? Yeah. Because when you go on to university... It has to be doing what you want to do yeah. rather than what your parents want you to do. Because yeah. there, there is that point, isn't there, where the parents should take a step back. But if your gut feeling in asking this question, it's my parents that think I should go rather than me because I know my level. Mm. Yeah, you have to follow your own path. But what I really like about this is this person has, has been to flute events, the NFA, and where you hear so many different types mm. of players they're not all great no. at the nfa conventions but the majority are but you have an idea of where you stand the other thing is to maybe go and listen to classes in one of the conservatoires or one of the universities taken by someone again someone that's renowned and i mean the uk and london you can do that all the time you can just go and sit in on on classes with the top players and then you can hear everything from the first-year student to the postgraduate student. Mm -hmm. And you can sort of judge yourself against those, those players. And then you'll realise whether you're miles behind or actually doing pretty well. I mean, I'm always a great believer in that if, if you really want to do something and you put your mind to it, you can achieve that. But taking advice along the way really helps. Yeah. I think your, your parents obviously want the best for you. I would just throw it back and say, what is it that you want to do? If you know your level, do you think your level can 
improve with dedicated teaching and being around that environment mm. or should as you've already said should you go and study something else and use music as a minor absolutely i mean my my father never wanted me to go to a music conservatoire he wanted me to go to university because in his view that was where you had yeah. a, a really good education and he didn't know anything about the music conservatoires but of course as soon as i'd got there and was doing what i was doing he realized that I followed the right path. Yeah, and that's and that's the major thing. The generations yeah. have we we all have different viewpoints and different preferences, and that's built around our own experiences at our own time. It's very different the pressures on the younger people today, and I think really you have to, as you rightly said, do your homework, but do what you want to do rather than necessarily what your parents want you to do because ultimately if you're going to come out at university at 21 and you haven't sort of done what you th you were hoping to have done you've got a big student debt and the opportunities are very limited so really try and find that subject that you want to study that you're actually interested yeah. in and motivated yeah. in you gotta be you're working a long time make sure <laughs> it's something that you love that's a very fair point. You're working a long time. Make yeah. sure it's something you love. Yeah. So talking to something you love, your Christmas jigsaw. My Christmas jigsaw. Yeah. Yes. Now, this is Christmas. This is Christmas. When You don't start it until Boxing Day anyway, do you? Which is, for everybody listening who's not English, it is the day after our Christmas Day. And it's an, again, it's a national holiday. I can't tell you why it's called Boxing Day. Perhaps because you put all the boxes away. I'm not really sure. No. I used to know, but I can't remember now. No. It's an age thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You're still doing that this year, though? Of course, yes. Already bought. Already bought? Yep. I can't remember what it is, but it's like a, a fantasy picture. It's quite going to be quite tricky. Always 2,000 pieces. No, see, that's too many 2,000. Um, no, no, no. It needs, needs to last a long time. And everyone does it, so it's, it can't be finished too soon. So how do you stop the dogs getting hold of it? Well, two years ago, the dog ate it. <laughs> and it was so distressing. I can't tell you how distressing it was. Because, again, it was a, a most beautiful jigsaw. And we'd done quite a lot of it. And we literally left him for five minutes and he ate a whole row. I was so upset. Pete and that's Louis. Pete only, oh, Louis. He's, ah. only, he's only a puppy. He's only two. <laughs> two or two, two. Two to three. So this year, we're keeping him out of the room. We're shutting the doors. Are you one that you do the outside first? Do yeah, the, always. And then, but when, where do you go in then? Well, you pick something that you like. But it ha does it have to be on the edge bit? No, no, no. So you go for something that's, that's quite striking and then you build up from there. Yeah, but your jigsaws aren't what normal people do. Your jigsaws aren't obvious <laughs> and they're complicated. They're, they're complicated, but, they're, but they're, they're beautiful pictures. And then what do you do with the jigsaw once you've... I put it away. <laughs> is that sad when you actually rip yeah, it all? Yeah, I, I look at it for a, for a week. Right. And then, then it goes. But I, I do buy the most beautiful jigsaws. They look beautiful on the table. It looks like a work of art. And do you find it very meditative when yep. you're doing... Restful, meditative, calming. Yeah. And do you ever get to the point where you say, no, there's a piece missing? The, I have had one year where there was a piece missing and it was the most frustrating thing ever. And then six months later, I found it down the sofa. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Christmas, everybody coming home? Everyone's here because I'm very lucky now. Both my children live literally around the corner in Hove. Both moved here because they liked it so much. 
Is Joe and his wife working? They're both doctors. They are they working? Yeah, they're, they're working. They've got some time off over Christmas. Oh, that's good. Yeah, my to- Toby, my son, he's he's working in London, so he'll be he's at the hospital there, yep. so he'll be working. Yep. So there'll be about well, I don't know about ten of us Christmas Day. Oh gosh, ten. That, that's a lot, isn't it? Ten. It's par for the course. It's it's normal. We always have a big family lunch. What time do you eat? About two o'clock. We have a we have a set routine. Yeah. All my family still get stockings. Can you believe it? Oh no, 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 yes, no! Yes. This is my. This, this is, my is pet they all hate. get stockings. No, Even clear. the dog gets a stocking. No. So clear. we have stockings first thing in the morning, and then we get up and take the dogs for a walk, and we come back and we have breakfast, and then we drink champagne, opening presents around the tree, mm-hmm. and then all around that, of course, I'm cooking. I've got yeah. food on and things to be done, and then. Family arrive about 12, 12.30. That's when you said stocking. I mean, that, that's my big bugbear. I mean, my children, 31 and twins are 27. And mine are the same, 31 oh, they are. and 27. They are, but they, they still expect. They do, they expect. But when does it stop? It doesn't. Oh, really? Well, except that this year I told Joe that I wouldn't do stockings for him. I'm, I'm only going to do them for Eleanor because she's going to be staying here Christmas Eve. And how did he take that badly? I, th- I think he took it quite badly. Yeah. yeah. But he's got his own daughter now, so he's got to concentrate on... Her. I mean, last year I did stockings for him, his wife, and their daughter. Gosh. Which was quite something. And it's quite stressful having to think, what do you put in these yeah. things now that isn't sort of tat that goes in landfill? Yeah, yes. You, you, it takes a lot of thought. But chocolate goes down very well. Oh, chocolate always does very <laughs> well. Although... <laughs> I found the, the older one gets, chocolate is uh, more of a negative to one's uh, <laughs> well-being than, uh, than not eating chocolate. And lots of lights. You, do you go mad on the decorations? You always have a nice tree in the front. Yeah, we have two trees. We have a, a proper tr- tree in the window because we, we live in an old Victorian you do, yeah. um, house in Hove with a big bay window. And a Christmas tree in the bay windows looks... Mm-hmm. Really beautiful. So a lot of the, the houses down here will always put their tree in the window. But I've also got a twig. <laughs> Have you? <laughs> yeah, a Christmas twig, which is like it's a trunk. It's like a silver birch trunk with, with branches that are all, all lit up. Oh, how and nice. And that's with, with, uh, with glass baubles, and that sits somewhere else in the house. Oh, I've been trying to persuade Jane to get a fake one. I thought, if we're going to stop the kids coming home for Christmas, if we say we're not going to have a real Christmas tree, we'll have a, a pretend one. It will cause so much consternation that they won't come home. Yeah. But no, it's got to be a real one. <laughs> and it, we can't get... Jane wants to go next week to get, the, to get the tree. And I thought, great, that means we can start getting the festive spirit, have the tree up early. No. It's going to go up on the 10th and be sat outside. What's the point having a tree sitting outside when it could be in with the lights and baubles on? Yeah. Well... It's a little problem you'll have to work out, JP. <laughs> right, Claire, I think we are going to wish everybody... Oh, actually, I'm not going to tell you what to wish, but I'm going to wish everybody a very happy Christmas, season's greetings, or however you celebrate the next few days. And, you know, with the, the world as it is, let's just hope that 2024 heralds... We can we can only hope because the way the the geopolitical system is at the moment around the world, 
we can have mass demonstrations and mass whatever, but it's down to the politicians to sort out the mess. Let's hope that 2024 can find more peace in the world and more happiness. Yes, I mean, the main thing is to wish everyone happy holidays. Yeah. Uh, we celebrate Christmas here, but wh whatever you celebrate, I hope you have a, a wonderful holiday and happy times, peaceful times, and we look forward to a, a much better 2024. Let's hope, and that's all we can do, Claire, is to hope that 2024 brings more cheer, more joy in people's lives. Yeah. Happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. Um, raise a glass, Claire. Chink, 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 chink. <laughs> we haven't got any glasses. <laughs> Happy holidays. Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.